Welcome to another episode of Mick and Ori's Classic Cars. I'm Mick. And I'm Ori. Ori, we've got a fellow enthusiast here. Mate, there's plenty of them out there, but to get them on the show is difficult, Mick. It is. So He's just trying to get time to actually fit them all in. Correct, He's got correct. so much demand. So, Marcus, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. We yep. thought we're the only two nutters out there that love cars and just spoke about them 24-7. Yeah, when we get on to talking about cars, Marcus, we uh, don't stop. So, Marcus, tell us, uh, I mean, you've been into cars for a long time. When did it all start with your enthusiasm about cars? Yeah, it's funny, isn't it, how much uh, it makes an impact on people's lives, and I guess I'm one of those people. Um, you know, when I was very young, and I was thinking about it not too long ago, actually, and I remember the first memory I have of cars and the interest in them, you wouldn't believe it came from Wheat Bix packets. In the Wheat Bix packet, you used to get collector cards and they had they had different things, but they went through a stage at one point of having cars. Cars, the collector cards. So a little cars. mini car in there. No, what, like was, a Hot no, Wheels? It was, no, it was a car. Car de. Yeah, a card. Of photos of, of cars. Of cars. And, and I reckon it was so, it would have been in the, in the late 60s, something like that. I would have been less than 10. And. I remember they had dragsters and all sorts of things from the 60s in them, and that's my earliest recollection of being interested in cars. Have you still got any of those cards? I wish I had. Yeah, that'd be worth <laughs> a, a pretty penny. But all sorts of cars, so what are, what are you into? Are you into historics, classics like yeah, us? Yeah, pro- probably more so the classics, you know. Um, I think the younger people like the more modern cars. I don't yeah. know whether that's a generalisation or not, but I, I think you tend to look back on the cars that were around when you were growing up, when you were a teenager, uh, and when you got your first cars, and I know having listened to some of your podcasts, you know, I hear stories from the both of you about, oh, I remember when this happened when I was growing yeah. up and what was the poster on your wall. And, and I'm the same, you know, when you're growing up and when you first get your licence and you hit the road and, yeah, it's it's a fantastic time. And I guess the car gives us all so much freedom, doesn't it? You know, that's that's one of the big reasons why we get so passionate about it. Right, when it's not in the workshop... That's right. <laughs> but, Marcus, you talked about when you, were, you know, sort of got to drive them and that, but earlier days, like um, you were saying before, when you were born, your father bought a car. Oh, yeah. Well, that's right. You know, I was born in, if I can, 1963, and and so my father, yeah, oh, right, okay, we've got the, the first child and, and we better go out and get the safe vehicle for them to, to travel in so we can take them around, bought a brand-new Holden. And in the day, 1963, it was an EJ. So okay. we had this beautiful olive green, brand-new brand new, uh, EJ, EJ Holden. Uh, very nice, very nice, and and I guess I was fortunate enough that got to drive it when I grew up and and got my license. It was the car I had. The only thing was I was a, a bit dark on Dad at the time because I wanted an EH, and I, I would have preferred to have been born in 1964 so I could get the EH because it had the, the red motor in it, you know. And that's what that's what was uh, it was a big step forward in uh, for for uh, Holden to move from the grey motor to the red motor. So I wanted the EH, but I got the, the EJ. So you ended up driving that, of course. Yeah, I drove it for, for, for many years, but still went out and bought my own EHs, yeah. I was going to say, did you ever get the EH? It was my next question. So yeah. you did, yeah? Well, well I, I grew up, part of my life I spent growing up on a farm, and because you have a farm, I learnt to drive on a farm. So I started driving when I was 11, and when I could reach the pedals, and I remember we had a we had a a fairly decent-sized truck, and I reckon it was about 12 or 13 when I started driving the truck on the farm. So I've been driving for years and years um, before I got my licence. And, in fact, again, because we were in the country, we knew the local policeman, and, and, and he said he said to me, uh, it's, when, you, when, you, when do you turn 
16 and a half, whatever it was, to get you, to get your licence. And uh, I said, oh, it's coming up, Mr Policeman of the local town. He said, uh, all right, we'll drop in and see me. We'll, we'll organise so you can do what you need to do, follow the steps through and get your licence. He knew I'd been driving for years on the farm, so I went down the, the police station, turned up with the, on the given day, I reached the age. He said, oh, you're here, Marcus. All right, that's excellent. I'll just fill out the paperwork. And he handed the licence to me over the counter and, and I walked it. out. No test. That was your test. That, no, you no test, no nothing. He knew I'd been driving since <laughs> I was 11. He thought that was good enough and off you went. It wouldn't happen today, no would worry. it? But, you know, it was uh, so straight, took the EJ straight on the road. And But while I was on the farm, I, I did pick up a few cars, EHs. I started to buy the EHs and... Had a few old wreck bombs, really, you know, and until I got one that I could afford that was a decent EH, yeah. Was that, you, that, that were three on the tree? Uh, well, the EJ was three on the tree and the EHs were as well. And what a great car to learn to drive because yep. they're not that easy. There's no synchro yep. in first, so, you know. You have to th- stop completely. To go back to first, yeah, yeah, yeah unless you you could try and double the clutch and try and get it right. Well, um, and was the truck double clutching? That was, yeah, double, yeah, all the time, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a, I, gee, I reckon it would have been a four or five speed and didn't have a, I remember it, because it was unlicensed on the farm, we only yeah. use it for farm work, but it didn't have a gear knob on it, just had a nut on the end of the, <laughs> on the end That's of the That's the way to learn, mate. This really long stalk down on the floor and it, yeah, it was so much fun to drive, I love driving do you remember what truck it was? What sort of truck Be- it was? Bedford. Oh, Bedford. Oh, truck. Bedford. Flat, flat top, big, yep. huge tray out the back. We used to put hay on it and that sort of stuff. Fantastic. So the EH, I mean, there's a story that you bought one for $5. Well, I did, yeah. I, I, as I said, I, you know, I was a young, old teenager. Didn't have What a year are we talking, though? $5 in what year? Late 70s, okay. I reckon. But it was, a, it was a bit of a wreck. You know, I brought it home on a trailer. And I actually so had, it wasn't running? No, it was. It, it ran, and it ran enough to go around on the farm. Yeah, but it was oh. it was pretty rough, I tell you. So I had a couple of others, and I was going to use it for parts as well. And so I wanted to get it. I always wanted to have a sedan, a wagon, a ute, and a panel van. Uh, so I had I had that the ute made number three on the farm, but the the panel van I ended up getting when I'd left home and I was a little bit older and it was a, a, a better car in much better condition, really good condition actually for a thousand dollars I remember it, and and I was at uni at the time and it was it was just fantastic. It used to be a, it was a carpet cleaning van, and the the guy had drilled a, a hole a couple of inches wide through the, the the roof and he had an electric motor with a, a, a rotating sign. That used to spin yep. around on top of the van, so I bought it. He'd, he'd stripped the signage off it and taken his his rotating sign off the off the roof, and so it had a hole in the in the roof still when I bought it. And uh, so I just got some uh, some duct tape and just covered it over. But it always used to get wet and drip through the hole, and the, unfortunately the mattress got a bit damp and a bit mildewy, so it wasn't. I think that might have turned a few of the girls off. <laughs> So the station wagon you bought for five dollars. It was no, a station that, that wagon. That was a Ute. That was a Ute. Okay. So there is a story about that you got your sister and that to paint it. Yeah. Well, I had some. I had some uh, some younger siblings, and um, they. Uh, and, and I don't remember this. My my sister was telling me this not too long ago, and she said, uh, "Do you remember when you brought the Ute home and gave us all because it was just a farm, a bit of a wreck? Gave us all a paintbrush and a can of paint. And we each got a a panel." One got the the side, one side. One got the other side. One got the back. But apparently, I wouldn't let them paint the uh, on the bonnet or on the roof because I wanted to keep that to do a GT stripe over the over it. I don't know if I ever got that done, but it was the same. You know, have these, you got the, photos of these old cars? Well, I reckon. I, I reckon I have. Yeah, I, I should dig them up and for my own memory. And 
anyone else wants to see. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's good to talk about, and, you, and so much comes back to when you start talking about it. Absolutely, and, and all these little stories, and and that's what the huge part the cars plays in our life. They play in our lives, isn't it? Because so is the farm still part of the family? Like no, the farm no. got sold, and did all those cars get sold with the farm? Like you know, you know how that happens. You buy a property, and then all the just leave them there. Yeah, that's I, right. I don't, I don't know if the new owner uh, appreciated them or not. Yeah. They, they, they all took did up stay a bit there, of shed though. space. They always stayed there. The, the ones that weren't that crash, crash yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. That I think all that went with me ultimately was the panel van. With, with the cars, though, did you actually modify? Any of them for performance? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you were doing that stuff yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we couldn't afford to to, to give it to anyone to do. So you had to learn yourself. You didn't have Google. You had a, a paper manual, a yeah. paper book. You know that was a big investment. Go and spend a fifth. I don't know what it was in those days. Five cents. Whatever it was to get the manual, and, and you'd follow it all on a, on these thick manuals of of how to do all the work on the cars. You know. The red motor is such a simple motor to work on, though. That that was what was good. Everything was accessible. It was all very easy at changing starter motors, and because they always need a re- replacement. Yeah. Um, yeah, you put on the inlet manifolds and the and the out, and the you know the, the headers and and the I had a stainless steel system, which is I had a stainless steel system. It was two inch stainless steel system, but it ran because of the panel van with only two doors. It exited on the side in front of the rear wheels. And and it was pretty That's loud. Cool. So it was and it so it's flames. Cut, it's cut at forty five ang- forty five yeah. degrees, you know. So the hot rod actually, style. And I don't know if it's I don't know, no one ever got pulled up for it. So and it was a bit loud. So it, it was good fun. At a, I had a three fifty holly on it. I remember that at one stage and a, some Webers at another stage and did a little bit of work on the head. But I always wanted a, a, a yellow Terra head with roller rockers and stuff. But uh, so you did that as well in one of them. I, I modified the head in one, yeah, but didn't get the yellow head, or yellow te- yellow Terra head. Sorry, put a you know <laughs> the old four speed munchy four speed in, which is a common thing. I want to put a Jag rear end in, which was the limited slip div, I think, but the independent, independent suspension. rear suspension. They yep. got the the discs inboard discs, so they're much lighter on where the wheels are. So, yeah, some of those things you got to do, and some you didn't. You are always tinkering with it, and it was lots of fun. I'm not getting into motorbikes and stuff as well, so. Yeah, well, being tinkering with something. Yeah, being on the farm, you would have had motorbikes for sure. Again, yeah, yeah. I started to learn to ride at, at, at you know as soon as I could uh, hold a bike up. So we used to have uh, trail bikes. Yeah, you know, even I think when we were there, when we started riding the ag bike, agricultural bike didn't exist. They brought that in later, um, which was a bigger thing for carrying gear and had lots of racks and stuff on it. But we had um, just trail bikes, bikes and, yeah. and had a trials bike. I don't know if, if you know what a trials bike is, but it's a smaller, lightweight um, bike. It's a competition called trials riding, and you okay. try and go slowly over obstacles. And in in Europe now, it's called state. They do stadium trials where they they build uh, they build artificial. structures, artificial structures that yeah. the riders have to you know go vertically and up and down and are very very difficult terrain to get over and manoeuvre. So that was really good for developing the handling skills because you're using the your two hands to do the clutch, the brake, the throttle, and the steering, the the balance and everything. And so that's really I was really very fortunate to have a little trials bike and learn to ride on that because I think it gave me a lot of um, good skills to to then go on the road, which is. You know, a pretty frightening place to 100%. be if you haven't done a bit of riding, but <coughs> can be, yeah. So do you still ride today? Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. You got yeah. Bi- trial bikes? I haven't got any off-road bikes, and I've just got a Ducati Panther, uh, which is just beautiful, 1983 Panther. So uh, that would have, what would be, 600cc, 750, uh, what is it? I got a 500. They, 500? It was, I got the first model of the Panther model that, that came out 
they came out about 79, I think. They went quickly to 600, 650, and then the competition ones were 750, and they had a 750 F1 that was called. And I think the Pantar engine stayed on for, for many, many years and was very successful for them, um, Yeah. It's funny, I like the Italian motorcycles. There you well, go. Well, they I'll do have, sound I'll good. Give you that. They do um, sound good, the Ducatis. The, the other ones we, we, we covered it with the Mataguzzi's and the um, yeah, Benelli. Uh, yep. So we used to love the Italian bikes for some reason. Well, I think, not knowing, but I would think it's because of the sound they used to make compared mm. to the Japanese bikes. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. um, like love them. Deeper grunt. Yeah they, yeah, they do sound very throaty. Yeah. So back on the cars, so when was. What year did you sell that last of the EHs? Uh, again, you know, I, I'm sure you've had lots of people on the yeah. show who said, oh, I wish I hadn't sold it. You know, yeah. so many cars like that, you wish I hadn't sold. But I would have been, you know, late 20s, something like that, and, you know, you just start to settle down a little bit and get a bit more sensible in, in, in quotation marks. So what was the purchase? So you got rid of the EH and what well, was the purchase? See, then, then, as I said, you get sensible and you start to buy a Commodore and okay. something that's a bit more So recent. you stay with Holden, though? You yeah, stay, stay with the brand? stay with Commodores all my life, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and they're, they're great. I think they've been tremendous cars for, for Australia. Once the VB Commodore came out, yeah. I didn't like it as much. You know, you had HQ, HZ, whatever, that was that was in between in the 70s. And then, but in the what was the eighties, they brought out the, the Commodore. So never really, Monaros in any of that. No, I didn't have a Monaro. Would have loved one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, then then it came on to the more modern Commodores, and the the VE was there for a while, and and then the VF in the end. Yeah. And did you stay with manual? Nah. You went to automatic. <laughs> Just you know, family man, and then ah, you get the Commodore. You become sensible, Mick. Yep. Did yeah. you ever go back and buy an EH? No, so not yet. Not yet. Okay. So I like that. Not yet. Yeah, not yet. But uh, if you bought an EH, would you do what you did previously and yeah. modify it? Or that's, you- that's a really good question. You, you, you know what yeah. I'd want to do though? I'd want to actually modify it how I wanted to modify it when I was a teenager. Yeah. So that so the the modifications would not be. Mo- they wouldn't. Yeah, you know, it's not a computer chip. It's not a. It's 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 not high tech. It's yep. old school modifications. So you know the the most radical thing in those days, turbochargers were coming out. So you get a cross flow head if you can find one for a red motor, and that fits nicely with a turbocharge, and you inc- decrease the compression ratio and a little bit um, fatter head, and then just keep your your pipes as short as you can, so you reduce the lag on the turbo and. Um, Away you go, and and that's what I'd like to do. And you'd do it all and yourself, I, by the sounds of I'd it. I'd do it mas- as much as I could. Yeah, um, yep. no, yeah, you'd still probably have to get someone to build the bottom end and that sort of stuff. But yeah, but put the put the Jag rear end in, as I was talking to you before. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with those in in old school cars. Well, but, they still do that with the hot rods, particularly. Yeah, they're decent. They're a good rear end. You know, they might, might not be as strong as the, some of the others, but you know, it's not going to have a heap of power. It's just going to be fun. Um, you talk about turbocharging it, but what about the um, the equivalent of that, or I say the equivalent, but the supercharging? Yeah, see, for some reason, I was always attracted to the turbocharging because of the theoretical efficiency. So because you're using the pressure from the, the exhaust gas, you, you, you're, you're dragging back some of the energy that's theoretically you're losing with, with the supercharger. So supercharger is crank-driven, so... You're dragging energy out of the engine to drive that, but the theory behind a turbocharger is that using the exhaust gas pressure, which is coming out of the engine it. anyway, to salvage some of that back and putting that power back into the engine by the the rotor that's um, you know compressing Spinning. the air. So then, turbocharger should be quicker than 
supercharger. Well, it just, it's got well, some lag. That's why you're talking about the length of the pipes. That's right. Because yeah. it's got what, some lag. Turbocharger's got more lag than supercharger. Yeah. Supercharger's instant. Traditionally. A, yeah. Uh, although these days you have yeah. twin turbos, you know, some come in, cut in early and then you've got the second stage and or whatever. Yeah, they have little, little, little rotors as well these days and they're very efficient modern ones. The old ones were pretty inefficient, I think, and they had big, big rotors that took a while to spin up. So that's the way a lot of your lag came, and then all of a sudden they'd be they'd be away. So one day you'll get an EH, then you think? Yeah, it sounds Let's, like it. The plan's in place. The plan's in place. Let's do it. Okay, right. so <laughs> since, I'd love since to then, do it. I love the EH. Oh, the EH was nice. The EJ, I didn't actually like the backlights. I wasn't aware of that's the right. different engines. Yeah, but I didn't like the uh, backlights. Although the EH wagon had the EJ backlights. Yeah. It, in yeah, right. some of them. You're right. I think in some of them. In I'm some not... of them, and then they went to the other ones, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. They did. There was a period before they changed over completely, yeah. Yeah. Well, but it was a good it was a good shaped car. A uh, great shaped car. I remember an uncle of mine used to drive it up. We used to go out to Ned's Corner hunting every Easter long weekend. He'd bring the EH up, drive it up from Adelaide, get there, take the, bo- uh, the boot out. We'd stand in the boot. He'd put a bar on to hold on. They just connected to the side. And if we and we shot out of the back of the thing, then put the boot back on, drive home. Fantastic. Mm. Hey. That was my experience with an E8, and I loved it ever since. I said, this car is unbelievable. Yeah. Well, I've got a story, a little quick little story about an EH. Uh, when my our family and my uncle's family went to Europe, and we're talking back in 1967, just quickly, he actually shipped his EH right-hand drive to Italy <laughs> because he wasn't sure that – because they were staying there for three months, like us, because he wasn't sure will he'd be able to get a hire car or what to do. <laughs> so he shipped his EH to Italy through the southern streets, or, you know, yeah. down the Reggio Calabria, all those places, windy roads. And it, that was a big car back then because – It would have been the to, only one in Italy. It would have been <laughs> certainly the only one. Honestly. And I do remember that the fan belt broke. And he did take some spares, but I don't know what happened or whatever. But they couldn't get a fan belt there. Where would you get a fan belt of that size for that for car? For that car. But he took it over there, drove it round, and drove it back. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. So that's in an EH, and that was that, – that was, It's a great car. Yeah, it, was, it is a good car. It's a nice – plenty of room, uh, very boxy, you know, the three-box shape mm. that they talk about. So the, the, funny, the funny thing is, you know, really it was just a family car, but mm. as kids we used to think they were the hottest things out. Yeah. It was not. No, I agree. It was a big, heavy lump of iron with, yeah. with probably very poor handling characteristics and, and pretty slow and boxy design, but we used to love them. Well, remember we at um, Target Tasmania, that black one that was on the ship, the Spirit of uh, Tasmania with us, that EH that I freaked out about that came off the ship, it looked unbelievable. And was that all, wasn't slow. That was hot. It looked, uh, that, so, uh, you know, I agree. And that's, you know, I'm nearly 50. I just love the shape too. I loved it. I fell in love with the EH when it came out. It, it was a standard. Car. It was a standard-looking design that you would do as a kid. Yeah, that's if right. If you drew a car, that's what you draw. <laughs> that's exactly what you draw. <laughs> yeah. You draw the same thing. That's right. So, what's in the collection now, then, Marcus? Wait yeah. a minute. Before you get into yeah. that, now oh, okay. I've, got, I've got a question for him. Before you well, get thanks. to what you got at the moment, there was because your you love of Holdens. All right, you ended up buying one of the last ones that come off. The production oh, really? line in Holdens. Yeah, yeah, I did. I can't remember what year it was, Marcus. Yeah, so 2017 was the last year of, of the Holdens coming yes. out of the factory. And so I bought a, um, a red line. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. So that was, in my opinion, and, and sadly I don't have it now, um, but 
and it's again, it's another one you wish you, wish you would have kept. You but yep. if you had two modern classics, I would put up there as the the red line in Australia in particular. Yeah, mm-hmm. the red line because I think it was the best. It was a beautiful car, and it was the best. Okay, it's not European, mm-hmm. but it's the best car that Australia's ever made. It was the, and specifically the red line. Uh, which had a few extra features like the Brembo brakes and some other yep. impro- important improvements. Um, but the one I had was white, so it was just a pure, un- unmodified. They brought out a motorsport version which had a few stripes on it and things, and I didn't like it. Yes, I remember that one. I yeah, thought yeah. it was a, a bit crass, a bit, uh, uh, you know, you didn't need to do that. You could just get the pure white one, which was a pure example of the very last car built in Australia, or, you know, Holden certainly built in Australia, and the best. So in in and it was a it was the end of the dinosaurs as well because it was pure V eight just you know just a great car, so it signalled to me the end end of that very era. historic period that was decades and decades and so many of our lives the Holden and, and the V eight ultimately was around and then the other car you, you would want to get at the same time is the Tesla three, but they're poles apart they're the they're the opposite the Tesla aren't they? three. I would want to get a Tesla 3 and a, and a VF Redline because... They're your two cars that you want in your collection right now. And they're the two that I think have got great potential you know, uh, appreciation opportunities. And why in, the Tesla 3? Because it's the start of... of it's, the first it of picks, the electrics. It picks, up, electrics. it picks up where the Co- Commodore left off, the Holden Commodore. Now, we didn't have a car industry, so I can't pick an Australian one that's got that's electric. So really, I don't know. It's not a performance car, right? And it's not a flashy car. And it's not. Well, we've driven one. Car. We're driven one. Uh, they're pretty quick. Performance-wise, they're pretty good. Yeah, but they're not intended to be a performance no, car. Yep. But but they are signal. If you put those two cars side by side, they're chalk and cheese, right? Absolutely. But they are the signal point, the turning point, the the, the breaking point of the start of the, the end of an era and the start of the of next. A different and era. If you had both of those in good nick in your in your in your collection. They'd be fascinating in, in, in 20, 30, 40 years' time. People go, wow, look at those two cars. But why the Tesla? Because the electric cars, are, there's plenty out before that. Well, I think the Tesla is really the epitome. The one that, the epitome Tesla was the best of them. Well, it's the and epitome it, that, of, of electric cars, Tesla, still, I think. Yeah. I know there's lots of challenges coming up now, but. Really, well, no, what was the first fully electric car? I mean, they bought him in the 1920s or something. Yeah, so. I know that. But in but terms really, of mass production, mass production, I think the Tesla, Tesla is the one yeah, that hit the market. So I agree, that's the it's one. It's the to tipping have. point of the world automotive industry. Those two vehicles, and they're such a they're such polar opposites. It's 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 ridiculous. But that's that's the end of one year and the start of the next. It's yeah, not a bad way to look at it. I like that. They're total bookends, aren't they? Yeah, they are. So you ended up. Uh, selling your red line. Yeah. And I remember I've seen that car and you had done not many kilometres at all. So that you looked at it as a collector car, if we say it that way yeah, or not? Yeah, I, I did. Yeah, yeah. And I had all the newspapers with, uh, you know, stories about last run off, last, last car off the production line at, at Elizabeth. Uh, I think. Was when, it the last car? Not mine wasn't. The oh, last okay. Car. That was the last model to be produced. The last at model, right. Yeah. yeah, okay. But I think when I sold it, I think I was trying to keep it under 1,000 Ks a year. Um, so I was doing 500 kilometres a year in it, um, and I only did those because I thought it was good to keep parts turning over. Yep. You could you could put it up on on blocks and take the wheels off, and you know, still run the engine and do stuff. But I I did some short trips just to make sure it got hot enough, and then some some low to mid revs, and then put it away again for three months. I might do that, you know, four or five times a year, six times a year, and that was it. 
And the red line was a, a manual or an auto? We always no, ask that, don't still, we? Still, still an auto, yeah, yeah. But you could, you know, it, it was good. It was a good car, and and <laughs> they brought out. You, you, I mean, you'd know that they brought out the. Uh, I can't. Sorry, I can't remember the name of it. The the, the switch you'd flick, and and you get the different volume in the in the exhaust note. Oh, the, oh okay. uh, open up the no, open um, up the wastegate, the, and I'm sure lots of other cars have them too. But there's actually there's actually a name for it. Um, but it was fun to to make it louder and go through the tunnels up the freeway and just put your foot down for that bit and reverberate through the tunnels. And there's lots of other cars do it too. But the Holden did it. That Commodore did it as good as any. It's a pity because I mean Holden, sold it. The it Hol- a- Holden's through the years, uh, they did actually improve it and improve Holden really, and they were quite competitive in terms of other marks. And it well, was they just, were competitive on the value. Yeah, that's yeah, what that's I mean. Right. And it's really in the last few years they really got it right. Yeah. I thought because they did go been, astray. That would have been one to keep, Marcus. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. after that, what you end up with? What have so what what's in the collection? What's one? in the collection? So so now you know, still got a Commodore wagon. I, I've still got my, <laughs> I've still got my two thousand and whatever it was, mid two thousands VE, which has got two hundred and twenty thousand kilometres on it. Hasn't missed a beat. <laughs> the only beat it missed is that it started to overheat, <laughs> and I took it to the dealer, the Holden dealer, which is now an MG dealer. Yeah, uh, and uh, they, the Holden mechanics there, and they looked at, I couldn't find anything wrong with it, and I, I bumped into a bloke. In the shop one, after that, I'm saying, it's overheating. It keeps overheating. What's wrong? He's, and because he was talking to me about cars for some reason, we talk, start talking cars. And he said, oh, just if you replace the, the water filler cap, it's a sealed system. Yeah. So if it, if it, if it, and then it gets high pressure in, inside it, but it it's corrodes a well sealed. It corrodes over time. It, or even just an O-ring, whatever it was. Yeah, and okay. He, and, and so I went back to the Holden dealer and said, oh, have a, can you give me a new filler cap? That'd be $22. $22. <laughs> and it fixed it after give, spending them, you know, $300 to check the car over and they couldn't find anything wrong with it. So apart from, from the filler cap, nothing's ever gone wrong with it. And, you know, and I always try and replace the oil regularly. I think that's always been a... Someone told me. Someone taught me that a long, long time ago. Yeah. Keep your oil fresh, and you won't never ninety-nine percent problem. of your problems won't happen. And and it's I think it served me well. Okay, so the moral to the story: uh, change your radiator cap every now and then. Yeah, every now and then. <laughs> okay, so you got the Holden. Oh yes, yeah, so I got the Holden, and uh, and at the moment just the MG and the Ducati. Yeah. The MG? What's the MG? Oh, haven't we spoken about Oh, that? we'll talk about That's a good point because we've run out of time now, I think, Ori, but uh, I think we'll leave it there, Marcus. And, You've got uh, an old MG, have you? <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about an MG maybe later We're going to have to get on. you back. Yeah. All right. Anyway, thanks for coming on the show, Marcus. It was a pleasure and uh, interesting stories there. Yeah, thanks, um, guys. You can catch us on the show at mickandori at gmail.com and, of course, on our YouTube and Instagram page. But as always... Remember, if your car's not a classic... It will be one day. Thank you. Thanks, guys.